You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, football is back. The Packers were back on the field over the weekend, at least the rookies. The veterans are getting in the building this week. And uh, we are going to see a different kind of preseason process. And a lot is still being formed. I mean, Matt LaFleur and Brian Gudikins both spoke on Sunday about this and the plans, and, and they're all fluid. We found out over the weekend Jay Sternberger and Mason Crosby wound up uh, on the COVID list, and so they're going to have to have some negative tests before they can get back in the building. Uh, We'll talk about how that impacts this team a little bit later, but I want to talk first about some of the things that Matt LaFleur said, some of the changes that they're going to make, because this all impacts the on-field part. And so I always laugh when I hear from people, hey, can we talk more about football? Well, all of this has an impact on what happens on the football field. The first and foremost part of this is there have been so many changes to the schedule, the actual physical setup of meeting rooms and how everything works from moving through a day of an NFL player in a facility. First of all, because they're not even at the same facility that they'd normally be at. And they're trying to get all of this stuff to make sense. They're trying to figure this all out. But it starts with, as Matt LaFleur said on Sunday, it starts with the players being responsible. Here's what Coach LaFleur said. If, if we're going to have football play this year, is it's going to take a lot of self-discipline and a lot of self-accountability. And it's, it's not just our players. I mean, it starts with our staff. Really, anybody that comes in contact with our players they have got to be very mindful of what they're doing outside of this building. So certainly we're going to encourage our guys if, if, if they choose to go out in public to mask up and uh, you know, just we're all in this sucker together. That's for sure. And we know that is potentially problematic because we saw Lou Williams in the NBA. They trusted him to be responsible outside of the bubble. He decided to go to a strip club to get wings in the mask issued to players by the NBA. (laughs) We've seen in baseball what the Marlins did and the Brewers dealing with this now. Lorenzo Cain opts out and they are set or were set to face a team that was dealing with a COVID outbreak basically. And we heard from Sam Decker, former Wisconsin Badger basketball great Sam Decker, that a bunch of Cardinals had been out playing whistling straights before their series with the Brewers and that maybe the players were not being as safe as they could be. This is still going to all be on the honor system. That's the first part that every team in every league is going to have to figure out, even in a bubble. 
it's still going to have to be on the players to act with enough discipline. And I thought Coach LaFleur had a great point. He said, look, you still have to come in and look these guys in the eye every day. And they're your teammates, they're your brothers, they're your family. If you're not doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, they're going to know. And you're putting them at risk. And so he said, look, we're relying on the leaders in this locker room to make sure that everyone is doing what they're supposed to be doing. The problem, of course, is once the games start, not every team is doing that same thing. Not every team has that same culture. Not every team has that same group of players. And not every team, to be frank, has the same setup as Green Bay, where most of those players in a given season anyway were staying at home. It was not a problem that guys were going out and having too much fun partying and being in crowded spaces. Just wasn't a thing that was happening in Green Bay. It happens other places. Now, there is this secondary issue of no exhibition games, no combined practices. So you have to increase the number of live reps. You have to increase the competition somehow. So the Packers are getting creative. Here's what Coach LaFleur said about that. I would say this, that we are going to have to implement some more live scrimmage situations just to try to replicate those scenarios that guys encounter in the game. And then the other thing that we floated around a little bit is, is having a couple of those situations inside Lambeau. And and that's not something that we've done uh, in the past outside of the family night, but we will certainly have a couple practices in Lambeau. There's two parts to this. More live reps means more opportunities to get hurt. And the reason that the CBA over the years has negotiated fewer and fewer live reps and fewer and fewer scrimmages and fewer and fewer padded practices is because it's more wear and tear on the players' bodies and it's more opportunities to get hurt. So, yes, you're, you're trying to be safer from a global pandemic, and obviously that takes precedence over everything else, but we're still talking about these players and their livelihoods. And I think that's, that's why you're seeing more guys opt out because – it's going to be not only a risk on your body as it is every year, but it's a risk on your body in a secondary way now. And the only way to ensure that you mitigate that risk fully is if you are around people who you know what they're doing every day. And you hope that your teammates are, but you don't know that. I mean, think of your five closest friends. Would you trust all of them at all times to be doing everything that they can be doing? Maybe you're five. Okay, expand that to 10. Now 15, now 20, now 50, and now 80. And that's just the players at training camp. Add staff, add coaches, add the people at your grocery store. This is why this is going to be so difficult. And the Packers are going to they are going to do their best, of course. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's going to be good enough. So th- there's going to be a lot that's different. And it's going to set some players back. I mean, we've talked about the way that it, that is going to impact some of these guys who need those reps. Brian Gutekind spoke specifically about Jace Sternberger because they have high hopes for Jace. And they think he's going to be a big part of this offense. They drafted him to be a matchup problem and, and to be a part of the passing game. Not having this offseason means you don't have as much time to incorporate him. And now he's on the COVID list. So that takes this one step back even further now. The good news is a couple negative tests plus all the digital meetings. You know, maybe not as far back as as he would otherwise be, but this is still something that every team is going to have to deal with. And and that is one thing that I think 
you know, we have to take into account here. Every team is going to be dealing with this. It's not like it's a disadvantage just for Green Bay. It's a, it's a disadvantage for everyone. And so in that way, maybe it's not a disadvantage at all because everyone's dealing with the same adversity. And every team has to deal with it. There's just no choice. And the teams who deal with it poorly, if they deal with it poorly insofar as guys aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing and now you're putting your players and your season at risk, that's obviously really bad. But if we're only talking about people doing various degrees of the right thing, then I think Green Bay is in a good position because of that leadership, because of that culture, and because of the built-in advantages of just being in Green Bay. Most of the time spent with NFL players in Green Bay is spent in each other's houses, playing cards, and hanging out. So it's, it's less of an issue in Green Bay than maybe some other places. That's not to downplay the risk overall. That it just it, it just is what it is. So it's going to be something that that, that that can change. You know, the, the Packers have their plans. The plans may have to change, and they may have to change. You know, they they talked about potentially quarantining quarterbacks, or even having an emergency super quarantined quarterback who is quarantined from the rest of the team. I had a, a Twitter follower point out that Tim Boyle is kind of the perfect quarantine quarterback because he's already been in the system for a year he is not the long-term solution he is not the long-term answer as your backup quarterback or your starting quarterback he is a backup that's exactly what he is he is break glass in case of emergency so quarantine him leave him at home say all of your meetings are digital and any reps you take with the team you are going to call plays from you know, behind a shield and then go run the, run the play that way. I mean, there, there are maybe, maybe you just have to keep them at home. You're on our roster, but you're at home and you're going to do zoom meetings and that's it. You're going to know the plays. You're going to know the calls. You're going to know the checks, but you're at home until we need you. And maybe we won't need you. I mean, maybe that's the deal and maybe that makes sense. Maybe that's something you have to do during the season. The Packers have split their practices to try and, and mitigate, you know, potential inflection points here. So they're they're trying to do everything they can. There's, there's going to be some weird stuff going on. There's going to be some creative stuff. There are going to be some teams who say, one of our quarterbacks, our emergency quarterback, we're telling him to stay home. We're quarantining him. He's our guy. Or we're going to have one coach who just sees him. Or we're going to have a group of players who work with him exclusively. I mean, there are ways to make this to make that part of it work. And I wonder if there are going to be teams like Kansas City that just say, hey, Patrick Mahomes, until the season starts, stay home. Stay home. Russell Wilson, stay home. Saquon Barkley, stay home. Until the season starts, we don't need you. If I were a head coach, I'd consider it. I don't know if I'd do it, but I'd certainly consider it. And speaking of considering it, trying to figure out what to do for dinner can be an endless nightmare of scrolling and conversations with your roommate or your spouse or your partner, whatever it is, there's there's a lot to consider. Let DoorDash make it easy for you. You want Chinese, they want pizza, someone else wants Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. Continue to support restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash and they need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. 
DoorDash is the app that brings your food cravings right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Just open the app, choose whatever you want, and the food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off settings. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code Locked On. One nugget that came out of the press conference on Sunday with Coach LaFleur was the potential of replacing Devin Funches. And, you know, he and Coach LaFleur mentioned Equinemius St. Brown. That was the name that came up. And I thought that was particularly interesting because we had talked on this show even before. Devin Funches decided to opt out. And, of course, the team said all the right things about being supportive of that decision. And, and there could be more players who, you know, come to that conclusion. Uh, the opt-out deadline is later this week. But Equinemius St. Brown is a specific kind of player. Devin Funches is a specific kind of player. They fit a particular kind of role. And when I looked at what the Packers did last year with Jimmy Graham... When they signed Devin Funches, I said, this is the role he's going to play. Not the inline tight end stuff, but the slot stuff. There was going to be some slant arrow stuff. There was going to be some play action stuff. They were going to use him in a variety of different ways, but he was going to be a de facto move tight end, a big slot type. Doesn't mean not a receiver, but a big slot. Uh, I keep having to, you know, this is something that comes up a lot when I talk to fans on Twitter is, you know, all oh, the Packers need a true slot type. Well, not really. Not in Matt LaFleur's offense. Cooper Cup is not a slot receiver the way that we think about slot receivers. Just because he's white, <laughs> he's, he's not a small, short, shifty guy. It's not how he excels. He does excel as a route runner. But it, he's not some, like, Julian Edelman type. Mohamed Sanu is an excellent route runner. Was the slot receiver for the Falcons when Matt LaFleur was the quarterback's coach. 6'1", 200-plus pounds. Now, of course, Devin Funches is not built like those guys either. And either is Jimmy Graham and either is EQ. But this is a, a role that has been developing in the NFL for a while, this idea of the big slot receiver, the matchup problem receiver. Put a 6'4", 6'5", receiver in the slot. It could be a tight end. It could be a receiver. And make the other team decide, okay, we're going to put a corner on this guy. Or in zone coverage, now he's dealing more with safeties and linebackers than corners on the outside. You line a receiver up on the outside, and regardless of the coverage, he's going to be dealing with defensive backs. That's just mostly how it works. Slot receivers aren't the same. Slot receivers, they could be dealing with a slot DB. But in zone coverage, for example, now, unless that slot corner carries the coverage into the middle of the field... It could be that now that guy is running against linebackers or safeties. Well, that creates matchup problems all on its own. doesn't matter who that player is. So when I looked at the guys who were best suited for that role when Jimmy Graham was shown the door, before even Devin Funches came into the mix, EQ was the name that stood out. Because of his speed, because of his size, he can play on the outside but he is also ideally suited as that big slot receiver 
that you put inside next to Devontae Adams or Alan Lazard and you let him work in the middle of the field. This works with all of the conversations we've had about the Packers' inability to attack the middle of the field, Aaron Rodgers, unwillingness to attack the middle of the field. Give him a big, talented weapon to do it, and maybe he will. Posts, digs, curls in the middle of the field, little option routes inside. He can do all of those things and win. Win with his body, win with his size, win with his speed. And Matt LaFleur was was honest about it, and it was really the first time we'd heard him say this, that losing AQ hurt the team, that he he was going to have a role on this team. And it looks like they have a new role for him. Devin Funches not being on the roster allows him an easier path to achieving that role, to getting to that place. Okay, now we put these concepts together. We know Jay Sternberger is going to be playing in the slot more. We know Devontae Adams can play in the slot. In fact, is a killer from the slot. EQ, another big slot option. Alan Lazard can play outside or in the slot. The Packers go 11 personnel, three receivers, a tight end, a running back. You've got Adams, you've got Lazard, you've got EQ, you've got Jace. All four of those guys can play any receiver position on the field. You can put them outside, you can put them inside. And now you go, no huddle. How many different formations can you run? How many different ways can you package it? One of the things the Packers struggled with last year was when they needed to pass it. You know, when they're behind in the the Chargers game. When they're behind in the Eagles game. When they're behind in the 49ers game. And they can't stay balanced. They had problems last year. And, And I think people myself included, rightly pointed to the fact that they didn't have consistent receivers outside of Devontae. The more receivers you put on the field, the more that compounds because now you're putting more subpar players on the field or at least guys who aren't playing up to par. I still think MVS can be a useful player, uh, but Jeron Allison was really bad. Every snap he was on the field last year, he was making them worse, even on, even on snaps where he caught the ball. Someone else could have done the thing and could have been probably more effective than he was. He was one of the worst regular players in the league last year. And the Packers, I think, will be better by its addition by subtraction. You play those four guys. And, yes, it's a basketball team. They're all 6'4 or bigger except Devontae, who can jump 40 inches and is the best route runner in the league, so who cares? And you can attack any part of the field. You can attack short, you can attack deep, you can attack the sidelines, you can attack the middle of the field. The Packers need to find a grouping, an 11 personnel grouping, because they're still going to play a ton with three receivers. You know, regardless of, of what is being said out there about this team, based on the people that I've talked to, both in the team and around it, there is no sense that there is a fundamental altering of the strategy with this passing attack versus the running attack. Now, they could play differently in terms of the personnel they use, but they're not going to suddenly become a 60% run team. They're not going to look like the Vikings last year. But they need to find receivers who can win, and they need to find an 11 personnel grouping where your receivers can win. And I think that grouping is the four guys that I just mentioned. This is something that I've been pushing for months now. 
I mean, pre-pandemic. And I wonder if when Brian Gutekunst said, hey, you know, we really like the guys on our roster. And at a certain point, we felt like, you know, we just didn't need to go any further. That we just didn't need to, you know, invest in some of these receivers because we like our developmental guys. I think the guy that he was talking about was EQ because Lazard had already shown enough, in my opinion. Because he had just more more opportunities in meaningful in meaningful games in meaningful moments, but it's certainly Lazard, EQ, and MVS are those developmental guys. But I think EQ is the guy because of just what the physical tools are and the flashes we saw in 2018 of what he can do after the catch, what he can do off play action, what he can do down the field. You know, rarely does a guy six five two twenty plus run four four. He can be a deep threat. He can win down the field. He can run over the middle of the field and take a shot. Well, that's what Jay Sternberger can do too. Well, that's what Alan Lazard can do too. And how much more does that free up Devontae Adams to do all the things that he's so great at? I think he is the guy that they view as the upside player they didn't draft. He is the guy who can do a little bit of everything, who can play inside, can play outside. And that's the reason or one of the reasons why we didn't see the Packers go in that direction. Now, Peter King went on the Ringer NFL show and said that, you know, look, um, I talked to Brian Gutekinst and he said that they had two guys in the second round that they really liked. They, they both ended up getting picked. I, I find that interesting because if you want to do some detective work, I think you can you can figure out who it was. Remember, after the draft, Gutekind said that they had been trying to trade up to get one of those receivers, and then they went off the board, and so they they had to move on to other options. So T. Higgins was the first pick of the second round by the Bengals, and Michael Pittman went right after him. You have to believe if Green Bay felt like they were in the same tier with Jordan Love that they would have just stayed put and picked one of them. Now, maybe that's not true, but they they made it seem like Jordan Love was the last player in their tier, and I think if we read between the lines, it was Ayuk and Love, and there was another group of players after that. So they were never going to be able to move up to get Higgins and Pittman. I don't think Higgins was really ever in play. So that leaves LaVisca Chenault. He was hurt. I can understand saying, okay, at 30, can't do it, but if we can move up to get him later, then let's do that. Okay, K.J. Hamler I don't think was ever in the mix. Chase Claypool, that's an interesting one. That is an interesting one because it is also about the top of where they could have reasonably got to with the fourth-round pick that they gave up. If you add the third and the fourth, you could have gotten up there probably without having to give up too much else, and maybe you could have just gotten it for that. After that... Another receiver doesn't go until Van Jefferson at 57. Green Bay easily could have traded up to get Van. I mean, once he gets to, you know, 23rd, the 24th pick in the second round, you can move up. You can move up to get that guy. And Denzel Mims went two picks in front of A.J. Dillon. Two picks. So it's not as if Green Bay did not have the draft capital move up to get those guys. So clearly they didn't like them to the point that, oh, you know, we have to we have to trade up to get these guys. And two picks was the difference. 
if they really liked Denzel Mims, they could have moved up to get him. If they really liked Van Jefferson, they could have moved up to get him. So the most likely guys are that they liked Pittman Jr. and LaVisca Chenault. And I think in the case of or Chase Claypool, those are the three. And if it's the case that Michael Pittman was one of them and he turns out to be a really good player and Jordan Love doesn't, I think there are going to be a lot of people wondering why Green Bay didn't just stay put and take Michael Pittman Jr. It is sort of what I advocated at the time. And it's just going to be a marker for this team moving forward that that will always come up. One thing that Brian Utekin said in his press conference on Sunday was there will be positive tests. And there will be positive tests moving forward. And there have to be protocols. And everyone has to feel safe. And it just has to work out that they're doing everything that they can to, once someone is positive, that they they come in contact with as few people as possible, that things are mitigated, and there is no outbreak. And the Packers had two players, three players now, go on to the COVID list. And they can't be back in, in the building um, until they have multiple t- negative tests. We don't know where they are in the process. This is sort of like concussion protocol. Uh, we, we never know where they are in the process until they're cleared. It does bring up an interesting question about kicker and punter, though. Do teams need to have a kicker on their practice squad now? Do they need to have a punter on their practice squad? You, you don't generally need to you know, have a scheme with those guys. But... It's not like you can just go pull guys off the street at all times. Kicker is one of those positions that that I think you can. Punter is not. Punter is much tougher. Now, the Packers invested draft capital in their battery with J.K. Scott and Hunter Bradley, but that's not to say that that they don't think, okay, well, if let's say let's say Mason Crosby gets hurt, um, you know, assumingly assuming he has COVID now. Uh, it could be the case that, you know, they don't have to worry about Mason the rest of the year, but maybe you need a punter. Well, can Mason Crosby do it? If not, they have to have a backup option. So I know this seems like kind of small potatoes, but it is something that I think is worth considering. And so not a, not a big thing, but just, but just you know, something to sort of think about. That these are these are things Brian Gutekunst is, is thinking about, even if, if you or I not, you know, normally aren't. <laughs> We're going to be back tomorrow, five days a week. We are back on schedule here, peeps. Five days a week, Locked on Packers, doing the thing as we head toward a season, an NFL season, football, real live NFL football, uh, and hopefully we have a lot of time. We're going to talk more uh, later this week about some comments Peter King made. Um, We are going to talk more about my plan for a World Cup-style NFL season that could potentially make some sense this year. And a lot more. We're going to have some guests on. We're going to talk a little fantasy football because, you know, until we can see these guys on the field, we're not going to have a ton to talk about. But, you know, we always kind of have a ton to talk about, don't we? Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920 920- 341-3775 to stay locked on Packers.